Section 6 of the South American Republics, Volume 1, by Thomas Cleland Dawson. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Piotr Nater. Part 1. Argentina. Chapter 4. The 18th Century. The rapid decadence of Spain itself during the reigns of the last kings of the House of Austria was reflected in the colonies. With the accession of the Bourbons, a forward movement began, and the colonial administration was roused into an appearance of activity. Something was done in the direction of adopting a more rational commercial policy, but it was already too late. The control of trade had irrevocably passed to Holland and England, and Spain could not recover the business of her own colonies. The efforts to improve administration were largely nullified by the conservatism of her aristocracy. It seemed that her medieval governmental machinery could not be adapted to the conditions created by her active rivals. In 1726, Montevideo, the strategic key to Uruguay, and the north bank of the plate was occupied and fortified. Thereafter, though Colonia still remained in Portuguese hands, it was isolated and scarcely tenable. Immediately, the north shore of the Uruguay began to be settled by Spaniards. Simultaneously, the ranchers of the right bank of the Paraná, who had long been tempted by the fine pastures on the opposite shore, finally ventured to secure a foothold in Entre Rios. The warlike Charruas had kept the white men out of this favoured region for two centuries, although it was so near to Buenos Aires. They did not yield without a struggle, but they were overcome, and those who refused to submit fled to the east bank of the Uruguay River, the present country of that name. There they were followed by the proselytizing Jesuits, and it was only a question of a few years before the Argentines proper had crossed the Uruguay and were pasturing their herds in the rolling Champagne country that extends from that river to the sea. The Spanish advance would have continued up the coast, probably as far as the northern boundary of the Rio Grande do Sul, if the Portuguese had not in the meantime established a town and fort at the mouth of the Duck Lagoon, which is the only port that gives access to the interior of that most valuable region. The increase in population, the extension of the occupied pasture-ground, and the greater demand from Europe for hides and wool tended to multiply the volume and value of Argentine exportable commodities. Northern Europe made marvellous strides in purchasing power during the 18th century, and prices all over the world felt the impetus. The commercial policy of the Spanish government became more lax, and the trade prohibition fell into contempt and disuse. The system of fleets of Spanish ships under convoy was abandoned, and single ships, mostly foreignly owned, and trusting to their sailing qualities and equipment to escape capture, carried all the trade. The trade of Buenos Aires grew, and the population of the city increased in proportion. The exhaustion of the surface deposits and richer loads of precious metals in the mining provinces during the 18th century tended to increase the relative importance of Buenos Aires and her territory, even in the mind of the Spanish government, and to turn a current of immigration towards the pastoral and agricultural provinces. In 1750, the Spanish government made an effort to get rid of the Portuguese in Colonia by negotiation. 
Portugal agreed to exchange that port for the Jesuit missions which covered the fine pastures in the western half of the present Brazilian state of Rio Grande. The helpless Indians were driven off or massacred in spite of their feeble resistance, but as soon as the treaty was made public, Spanish and Jesuit protests against the abandonment of the territory were so violent that the agreement was formally annulled by mutual consent. The Portuguese retained Colonia, and though they gave up their formal claims to the missions, the military operations they had so promptly undertaken against that region had pretty well rooted out Spanish influence on the east bank of the upper Uruguay. It was never re-established, and the dividing line of 1750 is still substantially the boundary between Spanish and Portuguese South America. In 1767, Spain followed the example of Portugal and France and expelled the Jesuits from her dominions. For generations they had been the largest property holders in the Plate provinces. In the larger towns, popular education was in their hands. Their great schools, convents and churches were the finest edifices in the country. To endow their educational and religious work, they had accumulated townhouses, ranches, plantations, mills, cattle, ships, and even slaves. Along the banks of the Upper Paraná and Uruguay, they had succeeded in dominating and absorbing the whole productive life of the community. Their system in the Indian regions smothered everything else. No white man was allowed to visit their settlements. The Indians were kept in absolute ignorance of the existence of an external world. The Jesuits required their subjects to work, gathering mate tea, cutting wood, cultivating the soil, and tending cattle. However, the Indians were kindly treated and were content with the easy life they enjoyed under the mild Jesuit rule. The fathers exported immense quantities of hides and controlled the production of mate, then, as now, the favorite drink of Creoles and Indians in the southern half of the continent. The Indians received their living, and the Jesuits absorbed the surplus. Their misfortunes in Brazil had taught them a lesson, and they had tried to erect their theocracy in regions where they need not come into close contact and constant conflict with the lay settlers. For a century they had been left undisturbed in southeastern Paraguay and the region between the upper Paraná and Paraguay. Neither their services to civilization, nor regard for the interests of the Indians, nor their wealth and influence could avail anything against the mandate of the Spanish monarch, backed by the Vatican and joyfully enforced by the colonial authorities. The Jesuits, who had been employed in teaching in the towns, were incontinently imprisoned and summarily shipped off across the seas, while their schools were placed under the charge of other ecclesiastics, and their estates sold at auction. In the missions, resistance was anticipated, but none was made. The Indians, accustomed to look to fathers for guidance in everything, were aghast when they saw the Jesuits leaving and Spanish officials taking their places. The new shepherds had not the skill to drive the flocks to the shearing and could not keep the Indians together so as to exploit them for the benefit of the royal treasury. From their cruelties and exactions, the Indians fled and sought refuge among the Creole settlements of Entre Rios and Uruguay, where they constituted a valuable addition to the population. 
This transplantation had hardly been accomplished when the Spanish government took a step which revolutionized the administration of the southern half of the continent during the remainder of colonial times, and determined the future boundaries of the nations of South America. On the 1st of August, 1776, the Viceroyalty of Buenos Aires was created. All the territory south of Lake Titicaca was separated from the Viceroyalty of Peru, and the province of Cuyo was detached from the Capitancy General of Chile. The new Viceroyalty covered the territory that has since become the four countries, Bolivia, Paraguay, Uruguay, and Argentina. In colonial times it was divided into eight intendencias, of which the northern four covered the region that is now Bolivia, and was then known as Upper Peru. The four southern intendencias were Paraguay, Salta, covering the northwestern provinces, Cordoba, covering the central and western provinces, and finally Buenos Aires, which, besides the present province, included Santa Fe, the whole Mesopotamian region, Uruguay, and the Jesuit country of the Upper Paraná. The creation of the Viceroyalty was a reluctant and tardy reversal of the colonial policy which had steadfastly refused to recognize in Buenos Aires the inevitable outlet of the region. Although the four northern intendencias contained more than half the population, and Paraguay probably half the remainder, Buenos Aires was made the capital. Situated at the mouth of the great system of waterways, it was the natural commercial centre of the whole Viceroyalty. In fifty years it had doubled in population, while the old cities on the Bolivian plateau had remained stationary. In 1776 the population did not much exceed 20,000 souls, but was rapidly increasing. Heretofore it had been rather a resort of smuggling merchants than a centre of political and social influence. Nevertheless, from this unpromising route was to spring the spreading tree of South American independence. Buenos Aires is the only capital that never readmitted the Spanish authorities once they had been expelled, and within her walls San Martin drilled the nucleus of the armies that drove the Spaniards out of Chile and Peru. The alarming growth of the Portuguese power southward was another potent reason for the establishment of a strong and independent military jurisdiction at the mouth of the plate. The Spanish government had at last determined on vigorous measures to take Colonia, drive the Portuguese from Rio Grande, and push the Spanish boundaries east to the original Tordesillas line. Pedro de Ceballos, the first viceroy, sailed in November 1776 in command of the largest force which up to that time had been sent to the western continent. Against his 21,000 men and great fleet, the Portuguese had no force, military or naval, strong enough to make a serious resistance. The flourishing Brazilian settlement of Santa Catarina was easily reduced, and leaving it garrisoned, the fleet and army went on to the plate. Colonia surrendered without resistance, and the army prepared to march northward and drive the Portuguese from all the coast as far north as Santa Catarina. Hardly was the advance begun when news was received that peace between Spain and Portugal had been signed. The latter retained eastern Rio Grande and Santa Catarina was restored, while Spain's title to Uruguay and the missions was recognized. Ceballos returned to Buenos Aires and actively engaged in the military and civil organization of the new viceroyalty. 
a fresh set of special regulations had been prepared in Spain, creating an elaborate hierarchy of executives. The chief provincial governors, now called Intendencias, were subject to the orders of the Viceroy in military matters, but as to taxation they were directly responsible to the Crown. They were entrusted with the paying of governmental employees, which gave them great influence with the cabildos and functionaries. The intention of the Spanish government was manifestly to enforce close relationship and greater subjection to the central authority at Madrid. In practice, however, the financial independence of the provincial governors stimulated the feeling of local independence, increased the influence of the cabildos, and paved the way for the revolution. Since 1765, the rest of South America had enjoyed the privilege of free commerce from the mother country. Now the same rule was applied to Buenos Aires, and trade with Spain quickly attained respectable dimensions. In the five years from 1792 to 1796, more than 100 ships made the voyage to Spain, and exports ran up to $5 million annually. Buenos Aires became the entrepot of the wine and brandy of Cuyo, the poncho and hides of Tucuman, the tobacco, woods, and mate tea of Paraguay, the gold and silver of Upper Peru, the copper of Chile, and even the sugar, cacao, and rice of Lower Peru. By the end of the century, the population of the city was 40,000. 30,000 more lived in the immediate vicinity. Montevideo had 7,000, and the outlying settlements of Uruguay, 25,000 inhabitants. The civilized population of the Buenos Aires Intendencia was about 170,000, and in population and in wealth it had become easily the first among the eight great districts of the Viceroyalty. End of section 6